Well, man, we are, we are so pumped that every single one of you are with us today, and we want to say a big welcome to all the like first-time visitors in the room, people that have never been to M12 before, including some of our parents and family. Glad you guys are hanging out with us tonight. And uh, just so you know, if you're a student and this is your first time here, we have a room set up just for you. It's really cool. Scott and Sarah were talking about it earlier. It's called our VIP room, and we got a bunch of free stuff that we want to give you, and I'm going to be there. Scott's going to be there. Sarah's going to be there. It's going to be a really cool time. So make sure you join us for that if this is your first time. Now, if you've been coming for a while, you know that we're in this series called Battlefield. And uh, tonight, tonight is actually our very last week of Battlefield. I know, I know, but I know, fear not, fear not, because next week, next week we are having our Halloween bash and it's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. So you want to make sure you come. And I'm telling you, like literally today, I tried to lift up all of the candy that we have and I couldn't lift it all up. So I need, I need your help eating it. Can you do that for me? I need your help eating candy. So here's what I want you to do next week, man. Invite your friends, get them here. It's going to be a blast. Make sure that you dress up. We're giving out prizes for the most creative, the best duo, and also the host's favorite. So uh, you get a chance to win some prizes. And of course, we're going to have just a lot of fun, a lot of fun as well. Now, uh, in this series, Battlefield, the series Battlefield, uh, we've had this bottom line that we've been kind of circling for the past couple weeks. And this is the bottom line. You probably already know it by now. The struggle is real, right? And, and like, even if you've never been to M12 before, even if you've never been here before, chances are you've probably said this before. Maybe you've, maybe you've tweeted it. Maybe you've Instagrammed it. Maybe, maybe you've seen a video that had like a funny video that the caption is the struggle is real, or there's a picture. And at the bottom, it says the struggle is real because all of us, all of us have been in these situations where life does not go the way we want it to go. And in those moments, you're, you're, you're frustrated and you're like, oh, it's the struggle. Man, the struggle, the struggle is real. And so maybe for you, the struggle is school, right? Because you've got like that one class and it seems like no matter what you do, you just can't quite seem to get ahead. Uh, and then you've got that teacher that continues to give you more and more work as if, as if that's the only class you're taking, you know, and you're like, I got seven other classes I'm trying to take and you continue giving me stuff and I can't do it. And then you got that other like group project that you need to do. And you got four other people in your group supposedly, but really you're the only one doing all the work. You know what I'm saying? And you're like frustrated. And then your parents come up to you and they're upset with your grades. And this is what they say. They say, um, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. Right. And then you're like, oh, it's the struggle. The struggle is real. Or maybe, maybe for you, the struggle is, is, is just your relationship with your parents. Because for whatever reason, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with school, but for whatever reason, you like, you're just so upset with them all the time and you don't understand it. It's like with all your other friends, you're having a great time and then your mom or your dad says one thing to you and you're like, I can't handle it. And you're going crazy because you got the struggle between you between you and your parents. Or maybe, maybe the struggle for you is with, is with like the, the person that you used to be dating, right? The person you used to be in a relationship with, but now that has since ended. And so you got the struggle going on there. Or maybe, maybe for you, the struggle is the person that you like, that's not paying attention to you and you wish that they would pay attention to you. And so for you, like that is the struggle. Or maybe there's like that person that's both like you used to be with them, but now you're not with them, but you kind of want to be with them, but you're not quite sure what to do. And so you got that and you're feeling that the struggle, the struggle is real. 
Um, one of the first one of the first times that I experienced the struggle was when I was in uh, or when I was eight years old. I was eight years old, and uh, when you're eight, you experience the struggle in one place. And I don't know if you if you realize this or not, but the struggle always seems to happen on the playground. You know what I'm saying? That's where stuff goes down. Okay. And uh, for the record, recess is like my favorite, my favorite like time of the day. And so when I, when I was eight years old, I used to always look forward to recess. Uh, recess. I used to always look forward to, um, to going outside and playing on the playground, right? And the reason I loved it is because you get to play around outside. That's why I go on the playground to play around. But on this one particular day, my friend came up to me and he told me that some kid was talking about me, Okay. Yeah, yeah, not, not okay, you know, and I tried to explain to him, I say, look, I go to the playground to play around, I don't go to the playground to get talked about, you know what I'm saying, and so I start getting a little upset, and then I start talking about this kid, and then I say, if that kid comes around, by the way, I remove the name to protect the innocent, you know, because it's a, it's a sensitive subject when you're eight years old, so um, I was like, if that kid comes around, I'm gonna beat that kid up. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to beat that kid up. Now, uh, word, word travels fast on the playground. And so this kid found out that I said that. And so that kid came up to me, pushed me, and then basically said, what up now? Like calling, calling me out, okay? And... Um, and I'm not proud of what happens next, okay? I, I, uh, by the way, I don't, I don't recommend this to anyone, okay? But like the blood was flowing, my adrenaline was high, I was upset, you know, I was all emotional, and I did what any American boy would do in that situation. I ran. Oh, I got out of there, you know what I'm saying? I don't go to the playground to get in fights, okay? So I ran. I ran just as fast as my little eight-year-old legs could carry me, man. I was... I was out of there. Um, by the way, for, for the record, uh, that kid uh, was a girl, and, uh, and the girl pushed me, okay? I couldn't handle it, and so I ran away. I know. And that was my struggle. That was my struggle as an eight-year-old was getting pushed on the playground by a girl and running away. That, for me, was my struggle. And maybe, maybe for you, your struggle is light, and it's fun, and it's like the playground, but maybe, maybe your struggle is a little bit more serious. Like maybe your struggle is with, is with your friend or like your used-to-be friend or maybe your struggle is with, is with your family. And the struggle, the struggle hurts. And, and last week we said this. We said that in the, middle, in the middle of that struggle, it's so important who you listen to because you and I are getting messages all over the place and it's so, so important who you listen to. In fact, we said this. The messages you listen to define the future you, right? The messages you listen to define the future you. And so I issued a challenge you guys remember the challenge? I said, uh, I challenge you to read the book of Ephesians and to listen to the right message, specifically a message from God through the book of Ephesians. So I challenge you for five minutes a day to do this. And the cool thing is many of you did this. The, uh, these are actually some, some tweets that happened this past, this past week. Maybe you see your name up there. Uh, but, it's, but it's people reading the book of Ephesians. People saying, I'm taking this challenge seriously. And you started reading through the book of Ephesians five minutes a day. And man, I'm telling you, I love, I love seeing this. 
Because, because you can experience God here at M12, but the truth is you can experience God, you can talk to God, you can listen to God even when you're at home. And this is one of the biggest ways, one of the biggest ways you can do that. Now, I also told you that um, I was going to be reading Ephesians along with you. And so I did that this week. And I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the book of Ephesians, there was this phrase that kept coming up over and over again. This is the phrase, um, in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms. You might've seen this more than once. In fact, it happened twice in the first chapter and then a few more times uh, throughout the rest of the book of Ephesians. And at first, what it says is that God has blessed us. God's given us everything we need in the heavenly realms. And then after that, it said that Jesus is actually seated with God in the heavenly realms. And then after that, um, it says that we too are one day going to be seated with God in the heavenly realms. And then it says that there's like rulers and authorities and all these other things in the heavenly realms. And then finally, like the concluding thought is that when we struggle, when we struggle, our struggle is actually in the heavenly realms. Now, this is interesting because you and I actually live in two realms at the same time. There's the earthly realm and the heavenly realm. And what Paul is saying is there's the earthly realm and that's the stuff you can see and the stuff you can touch and the stuff you can smell. And then there's the heavenly realm. And that's the realm that you don't see. And that's the spiritual reality that's taking place even though you may not know it. And so we've been learning that the struggle is real, but more than that, the struggle is spiritual, right? The struggle is actually spiritual. You might think your struggle is against him or against her, but there's actually an unseen spiritual reality taking place. And the struggle, the struggle itself is actually spiritual. And even though that's true, that the struggle is taking place in the heavenly realms, the effects, like the results of that struggle, don't just take place in the heavenly realms. In fact, this is in your notes. The struggle is spiritual and the damage is real. The struggle itself, yes, it's spiritual, but the damage, the damage is real. Right? And, and it's, it's because the struggle might be invisible, but the damage is very visible. And you see it everywhere you go. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking every, like, every broken relationship, every broken heart, every broken family, every pain, every hurt, every loss, every anxiety attack, every bout with depression. All of these things are visible realities for an invisible struggle. It's the visible damage to the struggle that you and I may not see. And there may be some of you in the room that have experienced this damage before, and you've experienced your family falling apart, or you've experienced friendships falling apart, or you've experienced her lying about you and the way that you feel about yourself, or you've experienced temptation, and you've experienced all these struggles, and yes, they're spiritual, but the damage is real. And maybe for you, you've gotten to a point kind of like me, where you're like sick and tired of it. Like you are done with all of the struggles because you're done with all of the damage that it causes. And here's what happens in life. Whenever you get sick and tired of something for long enough, eventually you want to fight. And whether it's on the playground when you're eight years old or it's a war that takes place, it always happens because someone gets sick and tired of something for long enough that eventually they want to fight. And maybe, maybe for you, maybe for you, you are so done, you're so through, you're so sick and tired of this struggle that you experience day in and day out that you're ready to fight, specifically fighting a spiritual battle. And so, and so in this series, we've been talking about the spiritual reality that your struggle isn't just against one another. It's actually against a spiritual reality that you don't see. 
We've also talked about the reality of your enemy, and we've talked about the reality of angels and demons and the messages that they're given us and which one we're actually listening to. But tonight, tonight, I want to focus on one specific question, and that's this. How do you actually fight a spiritual battle? Like when you get sick and tired, when you get done with all the struggles, how do you actually fight a spiritual battle? How do you, how do you fight an unseen enemy? How do you fight a battle that's taken place in the heavenly realms? How do you even begin to fight? And that's what we're talking about tonight. In fact, that's the very question that Paul was answering at the conclusion of his letter to the Ephesians. And so he actually answers this question. I want to peek in at what he says. So if you would grab your Bibles, they should be like right in front of you. And if you don't have one, we've got some right beside you and also in front of you. Uh, We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 on page 1177. Page 1177. And as you might remember, um, Paul is writing to a group of people that were struggling. Some of them were struggling to fit in. Some of them were struggling with their relationships with their family. Some of them were struggling with their friends. Some of them were struggling with their bosses. And some of them were actually struggling with their employees. And there were all these struggles that were happening. And then Paul actually writes them to remind them that, hey, when you see this struggle taking place, there's actually a spiritual reality that's happening. In fact, he says it this way. This is um, starting in verse 12 of chapter 6. He says, for our struggle, right, the struggle that you and I experience is not against flesh and blood. Now, this is so interesting because when you're fighting with your parents, you think that the struggle is against your parents. And when you're fighting with your best friend, you think the struggle is against your best friend. And when you're, when you're fighting and struggling with temptation, you think the struggle is against temptation. And what he says is, it's not him and it's not her. That when you're struggling, what you're actually struggling against is the spiritual forces of evil. And then there's that phrase, in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms. And so then he goes on to talk about how you actually fight that struggle. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, the full armor of God. That's the secret. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And so he says, if you want to know what it looks like to fight an invisible enemy, if you want to know what it looks like to actually fight in this spiritual battle, what you need to do is put on the armor of God. Now, um, for, for some of us in this room, this may not make much sense. Um, Everyone that Paul was writing to, it, it, it totally made sense to them. He was, he was kind of tapping into a metaphor that everyone understood. But I think for us in our culture, it may not make much sense. And here's why. The people that Paul were writing to, um, was writing to was actually a bunch of people that had actually fought in battles. Uh, he was writing to a lot of people that were either soldiers or they had seen war happen like right in front of them. And I know for a lot of us in the room, the closest that we've ever come to battle is like when you play Call of Duty. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, you're like, that must be battle. And it's like, not, not, not quite. And so, so when Paul was writing this, his readers understood something that you and I may not get. And here's what they understood. If you ever go into battle, like if you're ever actually going into war, you would be a fool not to put on armor. (laughs) Man, if you're going to battle, you got to put on armor. It's a non-negotiable. It's obvious. It's the obvious thing to do. You got to make sure that you actually put on some armor. And so here, what Paul is saying is, look, when you, actually, when you actually go to fight this spiritual battle, you actually need to put on spiritual armor. And that's why he says the armor of God. Because if you're going to fight in a spiritual battle, you got to have spiritual armor. Got to have spiritual armor. And, 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 and this is what you need to know. Uh, as we're talking about what it means to actually fight a spiritual battle, armor 
doesn't protect you from battle. It protects you in battle. Like as we're talking about actually fighting against our spiritual struggle, the thing you need to know is that armor doesn't protect you from battle. It's not like you put on armor and now you're not going to have any struggles anymore. In fact, I know there's some of you in the room that like you're so sick and tired of the struggles that you're looking for a one-way ticket out of the struggle. How can I just never have conflict again? How can I just never get in a fight again? How can I never have any struggles again? And maybe you're waiting for me to give you that answer. And unfortunately, I don't have that answer. I don't have the way that you can never struggle again. And scripture doesn't have that either. Like if you're, if you're living on this planet, there's gonna be struggle. And putting on the armor of God doesn't protect you from battle. It doesn't keep you from actually the struggle that's happening. But, but it does protect you in battle. And here's what you got to know. Whether or not you put on the armor of God, there's a struggle going on around you. And if you decide to put it on or you decide not to, it doesn't change the reality that you and I are going to experience struggle. And so armor doesn't protect you from battle. It actually protects you in the midst of battle. And then Paul goes on to describe what the armor of God actually looks like. And here's what he says, starting in verse 14. He says, stand firm then. And then he starts listing out all the pieces of the armor of God. He says, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's item number one. Then with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's item number two. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's number three. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, that's number four, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, that's five and number six, which is the word of God. And so right here, Paul lays out, if you're going to put on the armor of God, it's six specific things that you got to make sure that you put on. And I know for some of you, maybe you've like grown up in church and maybe you've heard this before and maybe you've like seen these pieces of armor on like a flannel board or like on a, on like a sheet of paper or maybe you had to like color in the helmet and stuff and you had to do all those things. Uh, but for those of you that this might be new to you and you're trying to write down and remember all six pieces, uh, these are the six pieces of the armor of God right here. This is kind of, this kind of review. It's the belt of truth. It's the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And what Paul is saying is you got to put on the full armor of God, meaning not just one, not just two, but all six pieces of the armor of God. Now, I wish, I wish that we had time to talk about every single one of these because these things are incredible. And I would love to kind of unpack them for you and talk to you about what each one means. Um, but unfortunately, we, we don't have quite that much time. And so what I'm going to do is I just want to talk about half of them. We're going to talk about these three. We're going to talk about the belt of truth, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. So first he mentions the belt of truth. And um, maybe for you, uh, when you think of belt, right, a belt has a primary purpose and you and I know what this is. And it's kind of crude, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, the belt holds your pants up. You know what I'm saying? Like that's really the main purpose of a belt, right? It holds your pants up. And um, I, uh, my wife this past Christmas actually gave me this really like nice belt, probably the nicest belt I've ever had. And um, that's not too difficult because I always shop at the thrift store. So most of my belts come from the thrift store. And so um, either, like either way, whether they're from the thrift store or this really nice belt that I got for Christmas, both belts serve the same purpose. 
and they keep my pants up. That's it. That's all a belt does. But here's the deal. When Paul was talking about the belt of truth, he was talking about something a little bit different than that. Because the belt, as it pertained to like a soldier, served a different purpose than just keeping up someone's pants. What the belt did is it actually held up all the pieces of armor. Like it tied together all the pieces of armor so that they actually stayed together, which means without a belt, all the pieces of the armor fell apart. And what Paul is saying here, what Paul is saying is, if you have truth, like if you know that you know that you know God's truth, then your life is going to be held together. But if you don't have truth or you don't know the truth, then your life is going to fall apart. And what he was also saying is that what you believe is true, like the things that you think are true, actually have a connection to every other piece of your life. In fact, every decision, every thought, every emotion, every action that you take is all tied to what you believe, what you believe is true. Um, here's what I mean. If, you, uh, if you're a girl and you're dating a guy, um, it, it's, or you know, you're kind of going out or you're talking with, um, there's a possibility, and I've seen this time and time again, that the guy that you're talking to or the guy that you're dating or the guy that you're going out with uh, is a jerk. Okay? that he's just a big old jerk and all your friends tell you he's a jerk and all your family member tells you he's a jerk and even in your mind, you kind of know that he's a jerk. But you continue going out with him. You continue dating him. And I think that the reason oftentimes this happens is because what you believe to be true is that there is no one better for you. That maybe there's a better guy out there, but I don't think I'd have a chance with him. I think he's He's out of my league. And because you believe that's the best you can do, yeah, he's a jerk, but I'm still going to date him. And so all of your affection, all of your emotions, all of your decisions are all centered around what you believe is true. And because of that, your life begins to fall apart. There's other people in this room that um, maybe for you, you've been struggling, you've been struggling with self-harm. And the reason that you struggle with self-harm is because you believe, what you believe to be true is that no one actually cares about you and that, and that you're, you're the only one that cares about you and you don't even know if you care about you anymore. And because that's your reality and because you believe that that's true, that no one loves me and no one cares about me, based on what you believe is true, all of your emotion, all of your attention, all of your decisions, all of your actions, all of your thoughts are centered around what you believe is true. And because you actually believe that no one cares about you and no one loves you, then you think it's okay to harm yourself. And because of what you hold is true, your life begins to fall apart. And so what Paul is saying is, if you want your life to be held together, and more specifically, if you want all of these pieces of the armor of God to be held together, then you got to hold on to what's true. And what I mean by hold on is like, you got to know it. Like you got to know that you know it. You have to have it memorized. It needs to be a knee jerk reaction that you know the truth of God. Because if you don't know the truth of God, then you'll find that after time, your life begins to fall apart. And so that is the belt of truth. Next one we're going to talk about is the shield, the shield of faith. And if you remember, the context of the shield of faith is it talks about the, the arrows of the enemy, right? That, like the flaming arrows of the enemy are coming after you. 
And uh, chances are you know what this is like, whether you realize it or not. And the reason I know that you know what this is like is that you actually have a phrase that you use. Um, whenever someone attacks you or whenever someone talks about you or says something negative to you, what do you say? You say, shots. Say that again. Shots fired, right? Shots fired. Arrows coming after me, man. You got, you got shots being fired. And so, and so everyone that was reading this understood, yeah, I know what it's like to have shots fired at me. And what Paul is saying is when the shots are being fired at you, don't try to just avoid the shots or try and figure out where the shots are coming from. Or I don't know if that shot is true and maybe that shot is true and who knows. And let me try to figure out and navigate the situation on my own understanding. Instead, what he's saying is you need to have a shield. And so when the shots are fired, instead of trying to navigate or dodge these shots being fired, you need to hold up a shield specifically a shield of faith. Now, faith is this like churchy word that we use um, all the time. And because we use it in church, sometimes it kind of like loses its meaning and we're not quite sure what it means. So here's a really basic definition uh, for faith. It's just that, trust. So when we say faith, what we're actually saying is trust in God. And so what Paul is saying is you need to grab a shield and it's not just any shield. It's a shield of faith or more specifically, it's a shield of your trust in God. It's a shield where you say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. So when shots are being fired and things don't make any sense, instead of trying to dodge it, all you do is you grab your shield and you say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know why it's happening, but I trust in you. Um, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite movies when it comes to like war or battle is the movie 300. You guys, you guys know that movie? Um, you, you shouldn't have seen it but you should know what it is. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I was going to show you some clips from 300 because I love that movie. Um, unfortunately, the movie is not exactly rated PG. And so all the clips I wanted to show you were a bit violent. And so we decided not to actually show those clips. But uh, what I'll do, it's okay, because I'm going to describe for you the, uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Okay, so uh, there's good guys and bad guys. The good guys are the Spartans. They're the 300 Spartans. And the bad guys are the Persians, okay? The Persians are trying to attack the 300 Spartans. And at one point, the Persians go up to the Spartans. The bad guys going up to the good guys. And what the bad guys say to the Spartans is, like, like they basically start talking smack. And they're like, we're going to beat you. And not just beat you, but we're going to kill you. Like, your army doesn't even stand a chance. And then one of the threats that he used is this. He says... Our arrows blot out the sun. Our arrows blot out the sun. What he means is when we fire all these arrows, there's so many arrows that it actually clouds over the sun. And then I love what Leonidas, the leader of the 300 says. He says, then we'll fight in the shade. Which I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll fight in the shade. Like that gets me, I, like I'm getting goosebumps. Like I want to go like stab something, you know, like I'm so <laughs> excited about that. And so then sure enough, about, about 30 minutes into the movie, about 30 minutes into the movie, um, there's, there's a situation where all the Spartans are sitting there and they look up at the sky and what they see is that their enemy that's very far away begins firing all these arrows. In fact, thousands of arrows being fired at them. And sure enough, it blocks out the sun. And as these arrows are coming after the 300, they don't try to avoid the arrows or try to figure out what the arrows are all about. Or I don't know if that's true and maybe that's true and I don't know. Instead, what they do is immediately they grab the thing they know is going to defend them. They grab their shield and they hold it up. And because they hold up their shield, not a single Spartan gets injured. And in your life, 
man, when shots are being fired, when things are coming after you and it doesn't make any sense and I don't really know why God's doing this, then you need to hold up your shield. You need to say, God, I don't, I don't get it and I don't know why my parents are fighting and I don't know why she's lying about me and I don't know why my best friends don't talk to me, uh, talk to me anymore, but God, I'm going to hold up my shield and I'm going to trust you that even though it doesn't make any sense and even though I can't figure it out and I can't navigate it on my own, I trust in you. And when you hold up that shield of faith, you'll find that the arrows can't hurt you when you begin to trust in God. And then here's the last piece of the armor of God. It's the, um, it's the helmet of salvation. It's the last one I want to talk about. And the helmet is hands down the most important piece of the armor. Um, and the reason it's the most important piece of the armor is because of what it protects, right? Like you can survive without a hand and you can survive without a leg, but your head is kind of important. You know, that's, that's what they call a vital organ. Like you need that thing. And so the helmet is the thing that every soldier wouldn't leave home without. You got to have a helmet. It's, it's, it's a non-negotiable, like it's not even under question. You got to make sure you have a helmet. And so what Paul is saying is the most important thing about you and the most important thing about your relationship with God is salvation. What he means is the most important thing is the fact that God has rescued you. That your faith in your life is not about you becoming better. It's not about you being more moral. It's not about you like following the rules more. And instead, the most important thing is the fact that you didn't have it together. And then God showed up and he sent Jesus to die for you. And because Jesus died for you, you are saved. In fact, that's what we were celebrating with baptism. We weren't celebrating that students are becoming more moral. We're not celebrating that students now all of a sudden have their life together. I don't have my life together. I hope I'm improving, but I know I don't. But here's what I know. I know that my God loves me so much that he sent Jesus to die for me. And I know that because Jesus died for me, I'm saved. And that is the main thing. And what Paul is saying is you gotta keep the main thing, the main thing. And when it comes to your faith, the most important thing is the fact that God has saved you. And we could talk all day long about these. I love the armor of God. I love every piece of the armor of God. And you could walk out of here and you could know a lot about the armor of God and say, man, it's so cool. I learned what the helmet of salvation means. I learned what the shield of faith means. And all that's good. But here's the deal. Armor, armor doesn't work. Let's see if we got the next. Armor only works when you put it on. Armor only works when you put it on. That you could know a lot about the armor of God. You could know a lot about God, but the armor of God only works when you put it on. That's why when Paul was talking to his audience, he didn't say, I want you to learn a lot about the armor of God. I want you to write down things about the armor of God. No, he said, put on the full armor of God because armor only works and you put it on. Um, I had a chance to talk with, uh, actually, uh, Zach, who's the worship leader up here. Kind of looks Amish, you know what I'm saying, with the big beard right there. It's like a neck beard. It's like a neared. Um, I was talking with Zach, and, and, and we went to Chick-fil-A uh, to go grab some lunch um, close to a week ago. And uh, I said close to a week ago, so that wouldn't happen. 
I, try, I tried. Well, I tried. Uh, so about a week ago, um, <laughs> we, went to, uh, we went to Chick-fil-A, and uh, we got to talk to Miss Judy. You guys know Miss Judy? Oh, my God. Yeah. She's the one that gives out mints, right? She's always smiling. So, uh, I, man, I love Miss Judy. And uh, here's the cool thing about Miss Judy. Every time I see her, she tells me about you guys. Uh, she's like, I, I was talking to the students, and they were telling me what they were learning, and, and, and they were saying this, and they were doing this. And it's great because it's like a spy that I didn't even hire, you know? And, they, and they, she tells me all about you guys. And um, it's great, man. She's so proud of you guys. She's, she, she, she loves you. She, she loves what you're learning. And the cool thing is, many of you have experienced this, Miss Judy will come up to you and say, what did you learn tonight? What did you learn tonight? Right? Yeah, and, and, and the cool thing is you're actually telling her the right answer, which is good. And so when I got to talk to her, um, she said, so the students were telling me that you're learning about spiritual warfare. And I said, yeah, yeah, we are. And she said, I told them, and she might have told this to some of you, she said, I told them that every day they need to put on the armor of God, that every day they need to put on the armor of God. And then she told me, she said, every morning I put on the armor of God. And I was like, that's so cool. That's so cool, Miss Judy. Could you, could you tell me what that actually looks like? like? Like, what does it look like for you to put on the armor of God? And then she did something that it, it is, it, it's so cool, and I'm never going to forget this. But she begins to recite something called the Overcomer's Confession. And from memory, she began to recite biblical truths about the armor of God. And I actually have it here. I want to read some of it to you because it was incredible. And Zach and I were just sitting there and our jaws dropped open as we listened to her recite truth. Um, again, this is called The Overcomer's Confession. And I actually timed myself reading it because I wanted to read the whole thing to you. But it's seven minutes long if I read it. Um, so I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing, but I want you to take that in for a second. She recited from memory something that takes seven minutes to say. This is what she said. I asked her, tell me about the armor of God. Tell me how you put on the armor of God. And she closes her eyes and she says this, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I will not let the devil take advantage of me and sift me as wheat. I trust in you alone to provide an escape from all temptations. My strength comes from the power of the Lord as I clothe myself with the whole armor of God, the belt of truth. I will fill my innermost parts with your truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Your righteousness will protect my heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. The readiness of the gospel of peace gives me the stability to proclaim the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again to those in my path today. The shield of faith. I lift up the shield of faith, which does not keep me from battle, but protects me in the midst of it. The helmet of salvation. I will shelter my mind from Satan's attacks of doubt, depression, and discouragement with the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And she's reciting all of this verbatim from memory, the sword of the Spirit. I will use her sword, which is the word of God, to defeat the devil. I am more than a conqueror through the blood of Jesus. I'm redeemed out of the hand of Satan. I'm cleansed continually from all sins. I'm justified and made righteous through faith. I am sanctified, made holy, and set apart to God. I am free from fear of hell and death. I am healed of sickness and disease and guilt. I am forgiven and all my sins are forgotten. And that's about a third of the overcomer's confession. And she continued to recite the rest of it 
from memory. And it was incredible. And I thought every morning, here's Miss Judy, and she begins to pray these things that she knows. Like, you want to talk about having the belt of truth? She knows these things. And by the way, in the Overcomers, uh, Overcomers Confession, there's about like 35 different verses of Scripture. And she knew them all from memory. It was a knee-jerk reaction for her. She knows truth. You can bet she's got the belt of truth. And all throughout the Overcomers Confession, it talks about faith in God, trust in God, that no matter what I go through, I can trust that God will deliver me or God will see me through it or God will be near me. And over and over again, it talks about salvation, how Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So you can bet she's got the helmet of salvation. So here's Miss Judy, every morning putting on the armor of God. And so here's my question for you. What piece of armor do you need to put on? What, what, what piece of armor do you need to put on that maybe... Maybe you've never put on before. What is, it, what is it that maybe from tonight you feel like God's saying to you that you haven't really paid attention to before? Maybe for you it's the belt of truth. Maybe, maybe you're believing things that just aren't true and it's impacting every decision, every action, every thought. And your life is beginning to fall apart because of that. What would it look like if you knew truth? Like, new truth, as in memorized truth? Like, what would it be like if you actually had the words of God from Scripture in your brain so that you could recite it just like Miss Judy? Like, we, we've been reading through Ephesians the past couple days. What if, what if you knew parts of Scripture from Ephesians, like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that it's by grace that you've been saved through faith? And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What if you knew that? What if that was truth that you put on every single morning and you were able to recite truth? Two weeks ago, we talked about the lies of the enemy. And we said that there are truths that combat the lies of the enemy. Maybe you need to go back and you need to listen to that message and find out what lie you're believing and start memorizing the truth from Scripture. Like maybe for you, you need to memorize that there is no condemnation or guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus from Romans 8.1. Maybe you need to put on the belt of truth. Maybe, maybe for you it's the shield of faith because in your life you've got shots fired and some are from your friends, some are from your used-to-be friends, some are from the girl that you really like, some are from your parents, some are from temptation and you got shots fired all over the place and it seems to blot out the sun. And maybe God is saying, I know it doesn't make any sense and I know that it hurts, but would you trust me? Would you trust me? And maybe for you that means waking up every morning and laying down all the shots that are being fired at you and saying, God, I trust you with these things. Or maybe for you it's the helmet of salvation. Maybe for you you've made your faith all about like being a better person and just being like more nice but what if your faith was about so much more than that? What if it was about the reckless love of God that he would actually send his only son to die for you? And even though you and I didn't deserve it, that Jesus died because he loves us. What if that's what you put on every single morning? What piece of the armor do you need to put on? Because armor only works. It only works when you put it on. And it's not going to protect you from battle, but it will protect you in battle 
battle. Let me pray for you. God, we, we do believe that these things are true. And God, I thank you for the six pieces of the armor of God that you encouraged us to actually put on. And I pray right now that you would elevate one of these pieces of armor for each of these students and let them know that, hey, this is what you need to put on. Hey, you need to, you need to trust me more. And I know that life doesn't make sense and I know that things make you upset and things make you angry, but maybe instead of trying to figure out life on your own and leaning on your own understanding, maybe, maybe you just need to trust me. Or maybe there's some students that need to put on the belt of truth. And I pray that for those students, you would elevate that right now. You would let them know that they need to know truth. Like they need to know that they know truth. They need to have it memorized. Maybe there's a verse they need to memorize. Maybe from tonight, maybe from two weeks ago, maybe from the book of Ephesians, there's a verse and you're saying, I need you to memorize that. I need you to know that you know that so that your life could be held together. Or maybe there's some students that they've forgotten how much you actually love them. And maybe for them, they've made M12 or church or their faith a game of how good can I pretend to be? And maybe tonight's the night that you let them know that in spite of all they've done, there's a God that loves them, that you accept them, that you died for them. I pray that that would ring true for those students. God, please tonight, would you let these students know what piece of the armor of God they need to put on and then give them the courage tonight and tomorrow morning and then Saturday morning and then Sunday morning and every morning that they would pick up the armor of God and say, today I'm moving forward and I'm trusting in God and I'm believing truth and I'm wearing righteousness and I know that I'm saved. Would that be true for these students tonight? So Jesus, we love you. And we pray all these things in your powerful name. Amen.